This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 8th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Adding to the nervousness of a potential new Republican-appointed justice on the Supreme Court, some comments from Justice Clarence Thomas have renewed fears that same-sex marriage legalized with the Obergefell decision may soon be at risk, if not overturned outright. How reasonable are those concerns? Cato's Walter Olson discusses what renewed this fear. There is a concern, uh, primarily on the left, that based on some statements made by uh, Justice Clarence Thomas in denying cert to a case brought by Kim Davis here in Kentucky about her refusal, for the most part, of willing to certify gay unions. In denying that case, Justice Thomas wrote that Obergefell, the case that legalized same-sex marriage nationwide, that it would have and would continue to have, in his words, some disastrous consequences. And a lot of people have taken that, again, primarily on the left, to mean this is Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito beginning to lay the groundwork to attempt to overturn Obergefell and leave the decision about gay marriage to states. What was Thomas saying, and is that a fair assessment? It's a very strange concurrence, and it doesn't say how far Thomas and Alito would actually go. They want to revisit the intersection of the Obergefell decision with religious liberty. That much is clear. And it's very strongly stated. It's very critical of Obergefell. But uh, do they just want to adjust how it interrelates with religious liberty? Uh, do they want to go further and strike down part of it because it's, in their view, inconsistent with religious liberty? Or do they want to strike down all of it? Since, as they say, they disagreed with its original rationale, they dissented at the time. Those are three different positions. We don't actually know whether they both have the most extreme position, whether, in fact, they have the same position as each other. Uh, we know that they are demanding something that would be happening anyway, which is the court coming back and revisiting this intersection between gay rights and religious liberty. Uh, let's revisit the Obergefell decision then, because to put it diplomatically, I think you did beforehand, was to suggest that Kennedy's opinion in Obergefell that legalized same-sex marriage had some extraneous terms in it, and it's not clear what part of the Constitution he was relying on in coming to the opinion that same-sex marriage should be legal according to the U.S. Constitution. Kennedy's opinion was confusing, and that's being diplomatic. Uh, it did not clearly rest on either equal protection or due process, but seemed to uh, wobble between the two and perhaps other factors as well. Uh, it is hard to read exactly what it's supposed to be as precedent for other hot cases that might come up, but there it is. And the what bothered Thomas and uh, Alito enough to provoke this new writing uh, was not just the uh, uh, unclearness of the constitutional logic, but Kennedy's 
uh, wording in a couple of spots, uh, suggesting that uh, laws of this sort, of the, struck being, of, the, of the sort being struck down, um, were based on animus or were uh, inflicted stigma or inflicted second-class status, um, each of which, in the view of Thomas and Alito, um, itself uh, turns the canon around, as I've described it, and inflicts stigma or, or expresses animus against some conservative religious believers. Now, a couple of issues there. The one that lawyers will think of first is, yes, but is it dicta or is it uh, the basis of the decision? By which they mean, um, does Kennedy's whole ruling be, uh, rest on the idea that uh, it is uh, uh, bigotry, a word that I don't believe that Kennedy ever used to describe this, but which um, uh, Thomas and Alito say, to, to hold differently uh, uh, or is it just extraneous language, language that he happened to use uh, along the way? And uh, if a judge uses uh, an unduly hot word, the next question is, has the judge violated someone's rights? And I think one view is only if someone loses a right because of that uh, hot language, only if some f future case turns out differently. And Alito and uh, Thomas were strangely unwilling to point to cases that were turning out differently because the decision had been overwritten from their point of view. And we don't know what, uh, where Thomas and Alito come down. It, it Could it be something as simple as, well, it should have been decided on equal protections grounds, and then we would not have a lot of the issues that we're having. It seems odd to me, at least, that uh, Justice Thomas would point to Kim Davis as being a victim in any in any sense here. A very strange choice of word, because, of course, uh, all of the justices agreed that she had no legal case. Uh, to the extent that I could trace his logic, it seemed to be uh, that she would have had a better chance to approach the Kentucky legislature and get some sort of political compromise in which judge, uh, clerks could be excused and pass the matter on to a deputy or something like that. And because she um, uh, was cut out of that by the court's uh, constitutional declaration uh, that she somehow was victimized and lost a right. Very odd way of uh, filling the, the content of the word victim. Um, so far as I can tell, uh, we have no reason to believe that she would have won the case uh, anyway. And the um, you know, de defying uh, your legal responsibilities as a court clerk is not a way to win cases. And so that's word was a strangely chosen word. And Ramesh Panuro of National Review pointed out that um, it's not really clear here whether their desired objective is to go out and prune a couple of words of dicta from the opinion uh, so that people won't feel stigmatized by being called stigmatizers, um, or whether they actually want to tamper with any part of the holding while leaving most of it intact, or whether they want to strike down the whole thing. Could be any of the three. Uh, it's not clear that Thomas and Alito agree on how far to go. I've offered a bet to many of my uh, left-wing friends that uh, within some time frame that the Obergefell decision will not be overturned, because I'm, I'm confident that uh, it will not be. Uh, but... Uh, are there practical reasons to expect Obergefell to be overturned or not to be overturned? That is, people have gotten married since this decision, for example. 
there are enormous practical reasons not to expect the court to overturn the center of a Obergefell, uh, the constitutional protection of the right to marry. And all of the justices pay at least a little bit of lip service, uh, although they vary greatly on this, to so-called reliance interests. Uh, how many pillars are going to fall? Is the whole building going to fall down on people's heads if you remove a precedent that some justices think was decided wrongly? And we know that Scalia, for example, uh, who sometimes earlier described himself as a faint-hearted originalist, he wasn't always willing to back out of precedents that he thought were wrong when the reliance interests were strong. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett has written about the same thing. She has uh, put herself in the mainstream of today's conservative court, which is um, not going as far as Thomas, who is the most anti-stare decisis uh, uh, and who is happier to let the heavens fall. Um, but instead, she is more like uh, the uh, mainstream of the conservative wing, uh, which does get concerned. And um, if you've played the game Jenga, you know, is the whole uh, tower going to collapse because you pull out a piece of wood? They don't want the whole tower to collapse if it means a lot of people are going to get hit on the head. And with Obergefell, what makes it so booby-trapped is paradoxically the success of some social conservatives 10 or 15 years earlier, because they passed into state constitutions various uh, amendments saying, that gay marriage had to be forever legal, which means that if you remove Obergefell, uh, it doesn't just get passed back to the state legislatures during a 90-day sort of uh, test period in which they get to uh, adjust their laws to legitimize the marriages. It becomes constitutionally illegal for many states to do that, and you're not going to um, be able to prevent massive disruption, including massive disruption of property interests, uh, of children's parentage, of inheritances. I mean, just it's wild. And uh, they're not going to do that. Maybe Clarence Thomas would do that. I have my doubts as to whether even Alito would. Cato is one of a group of one organizations that filed on behalf of the owner of the Masterpiece Cake Shop and for the plaintiffs in the Obergefell case. There in, in Masterpiece Cake Shop, you had somebody who had a, a religious objection to providing his efforts, his artistic efforts on behalf of a couple that wanted to uh, get married. And the court recognized that he has a right to do that. What would, what would a case look like if, if these two issues butt heads? Let me back up because Masterpiece Cake Shop is, is relevant in a couple of completely different ways uh, to what we're talking about here. First, uh, the the Supreme Court has been keenly aware, and it has looked at a lot of cases and taken some, that the uh, application of the social changes, uh, including not just to Burgerfeld, but lots of things that were already going on before Burgerfeld, because the state discrimination laws in this area predated Obergefell. Uh, and that was putting various religious owners of businesses on the spot, uh, religious providers of personal services like wedding photography, uh, florists. So the, the court has taken a series of cases. It sometimes ducked the substance of them. And in Masterpiece Cake Shop, it did duck the substance. Um, but it knows that it's got to address those cases um, sooner or later, deciding whether or not the 
Constitution provides any um, conscience right, as the uh, objectors would call it, or um, exception or accommodation, as others might call it, uh, based on religious or, or, for that matter, secular belief. So you've got that series of cases, uh, and we know that the court uh, is going to be right back looking at those because it's accepted the case of Fulton versus Philadelphia, City of Philadelphia, which, although complicated in a couple of ways, one of the issues it presents is whether or not uh, Catholic Charities uh, has to close up shop dealing with public foster care cases in Philadelphia because of its objections to other than conventional married couples as adopters. So the court's going to be looking at that this fall anyway, uh, raising one more question of why did Thomas and Alito feel that they needed to flag the issue since the issue is coming right out the court anyway. Uh, but secondly, there's uh, an angle of Masterpiece Cake Shop that is highly relevant to the other uh, side that we've been talking about. Namely, um, is it fair or unfair for conservative religious believers to feel that they're being tagged as somehow uh, bigoted, as, as stigmatizing, as possessed by animus? These are ugly or unpleasant words, and no one wants them to be said about themselves. Masterpiece Cake Shop, in fact, wound up being decided by the court uh, precisely because Colorado officials, a couple of Colorado officials, um, had spoken contemptuously of conservative religious beliefs in the course of deciding the uh, cake shop's opinion. And uh, the court, by a substantial majority, with liberals joining in hand-in-hand um, -hand with conservatives, said, this is not how government process is allowed to work. Uh, it is, um, uh, to the extent that it's a judicial process, it, it prejudices the outcome of the judicial process, but administrative processes can't do it either. Uh, stop doing that. Government needs to stop um, treating religi conservative religious views or anyone's religious views, including liberal, with contempt. Uh, the process is tainted if uh, contempt is found. And so in some ways, that um, intervening masterpiece cake shop uh, uh, ruling was very responsive to the discontents here. Uh, it is reassuring, in my view, uh, if you think you are a religious minority whose views are going to be treated with contempt by the government, that's a big red flag saying uh, the Supreme Court's not in, intends not to let that happen to you. And that includes the liberals and the conservatives. Uh, they don't want you to feel as if you're a second-class citizen because you've got conservative religious beliefs. So it puzzled me that Thomas did not kind of uh, take that into account and say, uh, you know, we've already done part of the job in Masterpiece Cake Shop by making clear that government may not uh, label people as basic bigots uh, as a way of dismissing their legal interests, their legal rights, their legal side in, in, a, in a dispute. Um, but he didn't. He wrote as if the court had never even noticed this issue, as if he was the first one and the only one, along with the Lido, uh, to feel that it was important. Uh, not so. All the justices feel that it's important. That's why they're revisiting it. Walter Rolson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>